The following podcast is a Clutch Media production. Welcome to They Get It. My name's Kelsey, and my co-host Emma and I love direct-to-consumer brands. Whether it's an amazing customer experience or a really killer social strategy, this podcast will feature the brands and founders who just get it. We are back, and this week... Um, We talked to Jenna, who is the founder of the Silk Labs. We've been dying to chat with her for a while now. It's been a long time. Yeah. And I think the reasons, I mean, first of all, if you're on Instagram or TikTok, you've probably seen her content at some point. Um, She just has incredible content, and that's really how she's grown her business. She's gone viral on TikTok um, several times. And so we dive into that in this episode. Lots of fun stuff. The Silk Labs is like, yeah, like Emma mentioned, such a popular company right now. And I think what I loved about Jenna is like, she almost isn't believing her own hype. Like if you listen to the way she talks about this business that she's built, she's completely honest and she is not just feeding us what she thinks we want to hear. And honestly, that's refreshing because you look at like hustle culture and you look at all these entrepreneurs who are out there sharing their story. And it's a very different version of what the reality of the business probably is. And I just love that Jenna's staying true to herself. Oh, she's such a gem. She's such a gem. So to give a little bit of background on the Silk Labs before we jump into the episode, um, Jenna started this. They just recently had their two-year anniversary. Um, She started making these scrunchies. Um, She couldn't find a scrunchie that stayed in your hair well and looked cute. Um, So that's what she sought out to develop. And in the process, she also stayed really rooted in her values of what she wanted her business to be. So she found the types of silk that made sure um, it wasn't killing off the worm that created the silk. And even though it's more expensive, it was important to her. And so she built that into her business. Um, And she's scaled since then. She's diversified her product offering. um, And she really wants to be um, a beautiful hair care company. And Scrunchies is kind of the start. And I think it's just going to keep expanding. Oh, it is 100% going to keep expanding. I can't even talk about it anymore. This episode was one of my favorites, and I'm so excited for you guys to hear it. Let's get into it. Today, we have Jenna from the Silk Labs here. Jenna, thank you so much for being here. Hi, thank you so much for having me, and I am a huge fan, and I'm super excited to dive in. Oh, you're the sweetest. Well, you just have an incredible story with your business and we knew we had to have you on. So before we get into the nitty gritty, can you give a bit of a high level timeline on your business? Because I think this is one of the most interesting parts is how quickly this has all happened. Yeah. So about actually exactly two years ago, it was like our anniversary about a week ago, um, two years ago in my final year at university at Ryerson, I decided that I just like truly wanted a passion project along with there was something on the market that I felt like was missing just as a consumer. And I was looking for this product and it just wasn't there in the colors and the prices and the styles and the brand image I was really looking for. And from that point, I started making the perfect silk scrunchie for myself. And then I was giving it to friends and it went from there. And I honestly had the mentality of like, okay, I I have this perfect product now with the perfect elastic and the perfect silk. Why don't I make an Instagram and see like who's interested? And it went from there. And in the pandemic, I really had the time to focus in on it. And I was doing it 
full-time. I didn't know I would be doing it full-time forever, but (laughs) I started doing it full-time because I wasn't looking for any jobs and it went from there. This is so exciting to me because you're at like the perfect cross-section between Emma and I and our approach to a lot of the business ideas that we have. I'm a big fan of like build in stealth mode and then just launch with like, you know, a ton of advertising and partnerships established. And I always just was kind of conditioned to like, that's how businesses begin. And then Emma has like a little jewelry business that she's been building on the side. And she is completely like you, where she's like, I want my friends to be wearing these pieces. I just do it for like fun, right? It's just fulfilling. And like, if it takes off, it takes off. I think that's such a healthy way to go about it. Did you have anyone ever like pressuring you to think bigger in those early days? Definitely. And I think that it's hard because as like direct to consumer businesses, and it's so competitive, A lot of people were coming to me in the space saying like, oh, wait, do you do email marketing or, oh, you don't have SEO and all of this stuff that we've done over time, which is great, but it's not something that was my image at first, just because it really didn't, like, I didn't have that mentality with the business. And I think the big reason why my business started to take off at first is because a lot of people just related to the simple issue I had. And it went from there and it was very, very organic, which I think like organic growth is the hardest, but like best situation to be in. Speaking of your growth, you've grown a lot through your content and specifically TikTok. So what has it been like since you started posting more regularly? You kind of blew up overnight or did you? <laughs> um, It was funny because... We posted a TikTok and I think it was my second TikTok and that was our first like viral moment. And then I kept trying to like continue to ride that. And obviously like not every video is going to be this viral sensation. So then it was like hard to kind of follow along with that. But it's just, it's really been about, like I always say, I don't believe I'm the best, but I think I'm the most consistent and I'll like come and I'll do it every single day. And I don't think the best people do that or maybe have the time to do that. So I think that's a big part of my TikTok growth was doing it every single day. And I've almost been posting a video like every day since two years ago. Oh my gosh. I can't even imagine. How much time do you spend on that? Um, You get quicker with it, I think, like when you get the routine and like, I really like, I'm very like technical with it. Like I have an Excel spreadsheet of like, okay, so this is the things I've done that have made my videos go viral. And I'll try to make sure they line up. So I'm like, oh, if I'm smiling more, they do better. Or if I'm wearing a really like an outfit like this, or do I start my video like this? And I try to be like technical with it. And I think it is actually makes it easier because when it's just like, oh, I'm going to like pick up the camera, you like pick yourself apart and you don't know what to do. But I, like if you go very technical with it and be like, what made me go viral? What made me be successful and just implement it over and over? I think that's why it's like a little bit easier now. So it's basically just creating this formula almost for success, which makes so much sense because if you're going to be taking the time to do it, you might as well also be investing in making sure it's good quality content and it's something that's actually going to do well. Yeah, like you don't want to like shoot darts with a blindfold on over and over every day. Like if you want to commit to being consistent every day, I just think like help yourself and try your best to make like a formula out of it if you can. And you'll see the results so much quicker. So what is that formula? You just rattled off a couple of really good ones. What makes a killer video for the self labs? 
Um, so like time, times are very important as a lot of people will say. So like certain, like certain times and everyone's audience is different. So if someone's saying like, oh, only post at 6 p.m., like everyone's audience is different. So you don't, you don't know mm-hmm. that. And little things like the lighting, like my audience really likes like super nice natural lighting, but then someone else's audience might like, like golden hour or maybe like something a little bit like darker, like just depending to be like, if it's moody or if it's bright and just like, I don't know, even like ways like I like do my hair, if my hair is like done well, or like I do the ones in my bathrooms do really well. So I like try to like keep with that and um, like certain angles as well. So I think it's hard to say, but it is like different for everyone. This is the science behind social media that I find so fascinating. I actually work in influencer marketing. So this is like not such a far cry from what I do every single day. But what are some of the ones that like you tried, you maybe took a risk and it totally flopped? Like what's the opposite of the formula? Oh, Um, I thought people would like love when I talk, but I think people don't love when I talk. I thought that would be like an instant hit. Like, oh, let's listen to her talk. But no, I don't think it is. So. Oh my gosh, that actually blows my mind. You know how like when they have the computer read out like the text and it has that robotic voice. I noticed you started doing that way more. Is that why? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you already know. Like if I like just like, little voice or just music with subtitles which maybe it's just like the experience of it but huh so well funny. you can come on podcasts and talk yeah. Anytime you want. <laughs> so yeah yeah, yeah. Anytime you want to talk just call us up <laughs> please, please. okay so you mentioned that you know not every video has been as successful since then and so there have been some dips and so what has that experience been like as you've been growing and how do you navigate those ups and downs with your business? Oh, it's hard. And I, I always feel like being in a business like this, I'm sure you can relate. There's a lot of ups and downs. Like it's an emotional roller coaster because you'll hit a goal and you'll be like on the moon and then something will happen. You feel like you're crashing, but it's just, it's hard, but I think you have to use the momentum of your highs and like let it push you and try not to get like too deep about the lows. Like, and just remember the highs are going to come like right after. It sounds very like general, but that's just how I try to look at it. Well, I have to imagine as like the founder and like the backbone of this company, I even saw on your website, you're the one responding to customer service emails. Like, I have to imagine that this feels really personal. Do you notice that you take the highs and the lows very personally? I do. I do. And yeah, related to customer service, it's just, you know, it just happens. There's issues and that's part of growing and it's hard and it, it feels very personal. It feels like they're like saying it about me, but you mm-hmm. have to like remember that like there's different types of people, there's different types of experiences, and maybe that person wasn't meant to be your target audience. If it was both the highs and the lows, then you would kind of understand, like I can take it personally and I get really jacked up when it's the the good things and the compliments and all of these new deals that I'm landing and stuff like that. But for some reason, I feel like the human condition separates the two. You never get as yeah. attached, attached to the highs and the milestones and the wins, but then the lows seem to linger forever. How do you shake it off. That's so true. And I, it's something we all need to remind ourselves. And I think when you're having a high moment, like just right when it happens, just try to like soak it in and appreciate it. Because I think that being in this business, you're just like, go, 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 go. But you don't want to finally like feel it when it's a low. Mm -hmm. I think it's, it's really hard, but I, I think it's just, 
I don't know. I think it's something I'm still working on. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, I completely agree. And I think it's also like, again, like Kelsey was saying, kind of the human condition. If something good happens, you'll credit it to something external yeah. to you. And then if mm-hmm. something bad happens, you put it on yourself. I know like that's for me for sure. It's like if something good happens, it's just because, oh, I got lucky. It had nothing to do with me. Yeah. And that's really not the case. Oh my gosh. Okay. Story time. She's going to kill me for outing her. Literally like a couple weeks ago, Emma was like, yeah, I'm getting all these compliments at work. And she's like, I must just have a lot of contacts because I've been there a while. I'm like, what are you talking about? Maybe you're just good at your job. (laughs) That's so true. So true. That one, yeah, it honestly made me think when Kelsey called that out. She's like, you're crediting everything external to you. And I was like, oh shit, I am. Okay. It's but it's so hard like to actually just take credit and be like, no, I'm good at what I do. And I think it's about catching it and recognizing it or having a friend that can catch it and say, like, hey, no, you're good at your job. Yeah. Yeah. No, a hundred percent. And so obviously with your success, um, have you found that there's brands that are coming up that are trying to copy what you're doing? I think probably especially with your content. Yeah, it's it's been happening for over a year now, and it is a pattern. I've had people maybe just like copying my content, or even people like directly like pulling my videos and pulling my imagery. Like that's like a whole different level to it. But it's been happening a lot, and unfortunately, there isn't much you can do about that. So what I've been doing is, if I get really worked up and upset over it, I like sit there and I, I'll even like write it out if I'm like that bothered, and I'll say like what are the strengths they have and what are the strengths I have and like, how are we different? And then I like one of my strengths as a business is we make everything ourselves. We make it in Toronto and we use high quality silk. So if they are outsourcing or they're maybe not using high quality textiles, I'll just remind myself like that's what sets me apart. And at the end of the day, like that's what matters. Hmm. It is so hard. And like one of the podcasts that Emma and I have followed for a long time is called The Skinny Confidential. And Lauren, the the host of that podcast, talks about getting copied all the time. And she wow. said the only way to combat it is to always be two steps ahead, right? You have produced this great piece of content, but you're already thinking what's happening next week and everyone else is just playing catch up. Do you feel like that resonates with what the content that you're putting out there? It does resonate, but I try to remind myself that I work for my customers. I don't work for my competitors. So I'm not trying to put out content and one up them to compete with them. I'm putting out good content and good products for my customers. So I don't want to constantly feel like like a hamster, like going, trying to just compete with the people copying me. I like don't want them to like rule me in that way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Huge. Yeah. And I think that probably is huge with your community as well, because you have such an engaged community and they wouldn't go purchase from somebody else. I'm guessing, you know, they, they follow you and your brand for more than just your products. And, um, and I think that's what builds like a more long-term sustainable business. Yeah, I agree. And in an oversaturated market, unfortunately, everyone, like it's been seen before it's been done before. So I think people come and support the founders and the product now instead of just the product along with like the brand imagery and the photography and like what it's just like a whole package. So that's also like a competitive edge to think about like if you're having like issues with competition. 
Oh, 100%. And it must feel good looking back and seeing those early videos that went viral. They were about you and your business, right? And so you established that connection with people literally from their first time hearing about the Silk Labs. And I'm sure that's carrying you through now. Yeah, that's definitely like a huge thing I think about. And when we get like compliments or DMs that I try to remember to take and appreciate. (laughs) But when we get those comments and emails, it's usually like about us and about our customer service and about the note they got along with the products and like compliments Mm -hmm. about the products. So it is like a huge like factor. Mm -hmm. And it probably helps that like you're kind of your own target market. This is a product that you created for yourself to solve a need. And so you're going to know what your audience is going to resonate with. And this actually brings me, I was reading an article on you um, earlier today, and you mentioned that you've realized that the Silk Labs is actually a marketing company rather than a retail company. And I think that's so interesting because especially for me and Kelsey and our background in sales, we both did sales at Shopify. And a lot of the time what we talk to people about is you're a clothing company. You're not an e-commerce company. You're XYZ company. You're not a marketing company. And so hearing that flipped was such a light bulb moment. And I would love to just hear a little bit more about um, how you came to that realization and what it means to you. Yeah. Um, it was just, I, I think it was one of those moments where I also was getting caught up about the competition and the products and like end of the day, I do believe in our product. We do have a good product, but I really think what's bringing people and bringing our community like time and time again is the branding and the marketing. So I love looking at it with that side. And I just think it gives it such an edge that makes me feel really like confident and proud of the brand. Well, and I love that you're turning TikTok into a platform that provides different kind of value. And so what I mean by that is like, yes, you've got really cool aesthetic content where we're getting great shots of the combs and the clips and all of that stuff. And then you're also doing like funny videos where you're like, hey, if you're a creator and you like my product, let me know, I wanna send you some products. You're actually using it to like drum up influencer relationships, which is so cool. And then I also think even you're talking about, you know, now I'm an expert on dandruff and scalp health and all of that stuff where you can actually like provide a bit of education. That is so cool. Did you know that you were going to kind of build these buckets from the beginning or did that happen organically? Definitely did not know from the beginning that this was the path we were going to take. My TikTok at the beginning was seriously me like supporting my phone against my water bottle and like recording myself sewing and then doing that for 60 seconds and like posting it like I didn't really fully have the idea and then I realized that I wanted to create these yeah like these buckets little niche pieces of advice and I think that for us for content creating giving the audience value along with selling our product in that value has been a huge way for us to grow So like, I love doing like hair tutorials and being like, oh, by the way, if you want to try this hair tutorial, you can get the matching scrunchie that I'm using like on our website instead of just saying like, oh, this is our scrunchie. So people, even if they decide, oh, I'm just going to try the hair tutorial and not buy the scrunchie, they're going to think of us like when they're doing the hair tutorial. And then maybe later they'll say like, oh, this would have been cuter with the scrunchie. So I try to bring that value with like little pockets of like business advice. And then also apparently my dandruff is really interesting. So (laughs) I'm going on that. I've gotten so many nice messages of people being like, oh, I was so embarrassed to talk about my dandruff, but you talk about it on the internet. So I feel better about it, which I love. Uh, 
Yeah, that's really sweet. Who who would have thought dandruff would like be valuable to your community? But here we are. If it brings them value, then then it works. Um, So, what does like in a week? What does your content strategy look like? You're not doing a ton of planning, from what I remember from listening to you in previous podcasts. Um, It's changed a little bit. So before it was very like, I'm inspired in the moment. I like this topic in the moment. This is trending and I go. But now in a week, I do try to hit like my pillars. So I'll do like little pieces of business advice. And then I'll do a hair tutorial, maybe try like a new hair mask. And then something really specifically related to our product, like talking about the silk. And I'll do like a shooting day, like on a Monday and I'll do stuff for the week. And I try to make sure I hit those different pillars because we have followers that follow for all those different specific reasons. So we have like definitely like a small business community that loves like the Shopify apps, but they still like shop. So I try to hit all of the different spaces for our community. And as two people who like, who have been like infatuated with this world for a couple of years, we totally get that there's so much to learn. You kind of starting this business two years ago, what do you think has been the hardest thing to level up on or the hardest thing to learn? Um, Scaling. I think scaling the business has been really hard because it came with such a different mentality. Like I started sewing all the products and then I couldn't do that at some point. So I had to scale that up. And then I was packing all the orders and then at some point I couldn't do that. So then I had to scale that. And because it started so organically and so simple, I I just like I'm constantly restructuring and constantly trying to move things along. So I don't regret how we started because I think my community loved it and they loved how simple it was. And I loved like the story of everything, but it's been hard. (laughs) Can you paint that picture for us a little bit? Like when you decided that you couldn't sew by hand anymore, what did life look like? And then what was the next step? It was like a year ago, very much in lockdown. And it was like the period when everyone was like, okay, we're just going to be locked down for a month. And then somehow we're gonna all move on from this pandemic. Mm -hmm. And e commerce was like hitting crazy heights, which I know, you probably know of it being like involved with Shopify, like that was insane. So it was so, so busy. And I wasn't doing anything. I wasn't going anywhere. So it was me with Netflix headphones, sewing like crazy with my mom, with my boyfriend, with my dad, like everyone had a job. And we were just like on lockdown, like, go, 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 go. And it just like came to a point where, okay, I have like, five people that are just nice enough to help me. And we can't keep up. So like, what's next from that? Okay, so you've gotten to the point where it's just too much. You're lucky that you have this help. But you obviously need more support. So what happens next from there? How do you figure out that support or what it should be? Yeah, so it was, I I felt lost. I didn't know that many people in the industry. I knew I wanted to keep it in Toronto and I knew I wanted to feel like I had control over the situation. So I wasn't sure if I wanted to go to a manufacturer and I just went into Google, (laughs) started searching and I found someone that goes to school at Ryerson and they're in the fashion industry. So I was like, this is perfect because they're committed to school, but they can start this part-time and get paid per unit. And it was like the perfect situation. They lived like 
two blocks from me. I was like, amazing. And I just started with training them. And then I asked if they had a friend that wanted to come in. <laughs> so then I just went with the whole Ryerson friend group. I just got them all. <laughs> That's amazing. Honestly, the best entrepreneurs out there leverage their connections. And if that's not an example of that, I don't know what is. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. Ever, it was such like a simple process. And I just have been working with different groups of seamstresses. And I love it. Like, I feel like we're really well connected and everybody's downtown. And they're, they really pay attention to detail, which I love. So it's just, it's been so perfect. Mm-hmm. Okay. Totally. And so as you keep scaling, what are the things that you'll need to continue to hand off and what do you always want to make sure stays with you? Yeah. So we recently went with a fulfillment company, which needed to happen a long time ago because <laughs> packing orders was just, it was, I loved doing it. And I think that's why I pushed it away for so long because I loved like seeing the individual orders and writing notes. And it was such like a bright part of my day every time I got to do it. But I had to move on from it. So that was the second thing we did. And then I've been doing it a little bit with customer service because that's been pretty intense. And like, as we mentioned, it can be pretty personal at times, <laughs> just because of the nature of it all. Mm -hmm. And I always want to do the socials and the content creating. I think at the end of the day, that's my strength and I'm going to hire in my weaknesses. So that's something that I don't think I'll ever pass on. That is such a good answer. Now I have to ask, you're managing a lot of the customer service. You're getting some help now when it comes to managing the comments in on TikTok, is, or is that you personally responding to everybody? Yes. And it's gone oh a little gosh. bit unhealthy because it's like my nighttime routine in bed. Like I'm lying there on my side and I'm like answering people because it's like the last thought at the day when my head's on my pillow, but I need to, yeah, <laughs> I need help on that definitely, but I like doing it. It's one of those things where I keep pushing it off because I like genuinely like it. So it's like hard to let go. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I can imagine like, this is your baby. This is the thing that yeah. you've built and it's probably hard to find people who will like care and put as much thought into those comments. Right. I can imagine. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, don't tell Emma that. She's going through an exercise right now where she leaves her phone outside of her room so that it like improves your sleep and it makes you more rested, helps your hours and everything. <laughs> but she'll be right back to it. Um, limits and having like moments where you stop are so important. So like I definitely want to like work on that for myself, but I don't want to like so promote hard. like culture because it can just get out of hand sometimes and you have to think about your mental health first of course 100% and it's so hard to flip the switch when like you see the full picture you see that everything that needs to get done you know what's on the docket tomorrow and it just feels like it never ends do you feel like you'll get to the point where you bring on a lot of full-time help um, definitely at some point in the future but right now I've been loving working with contract work I just think that it's very flexible and everyone, if they're doing it part-time, you know, they have their other priorities or if they're in school. And I just think that's working really well for us. But I could definitely see if we have someone on contract work that just like loves the company and it's also their baby, I could totally see them coming full-time on the team. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that's a good takeaway for our audiences. Um, 
if you're looking for help, but you're not ready to hire, just look for contract work um, or contract workers. Um, Another thing that I think our audience would find a ton of value in, and I know this is something you share on your content, so we'll have to tell them to go check it out there. But what are a few of your favorite um, Shopify apps? Oh yeah, I uh, so I love my Shopify apps, <laughs> and um, <laughs> some of my favorite ones. It's um, a pop up bar, and it comes up as people are shopping. And there's a few different ones that do this, and they're all free. But it's really cool because it's just such a fun way to bring in social proof in like a different environment that's not reviews or doesn't feel as like forced in a way. So as someone's on your website and they're seeing people shop in real time, it kind of like builds up that like excitement. So that one is definitely my favorite one. I love that one. And oh, my, one of my other favorite ones I talked about on TikTok is called grapevine. And Mm -hmm. (laughs) <laughs> you're like yep <laughs> I know the one <laughs> yeah, it, as you know it creates a little survey at the end of the checkout and then people know you know exactly where people are come from because some things are not as traceable like influencer gifting or TikTok um, like little promotions that people just do for fun and now you know exactly if that person does come from an influencer or from a TikTok video they saw what do you think the split is? Like if you were to actually look into the data of what sources drive the most conversions, what are your top maybe two? Oh, top one, definitely TikTok. Always TikTok, yeah. which is, <laughs> I love. And then my second one is probably Instagram and especially like Reels. A lot of people have t- been telling me they've been following me from Reels. Oh, interesting. Okay. So I have another question for you. Like you obviously started on Etsy and you talked about being crafty and like having a marketplace that goes and supports that. And people are more willing to take like handmade crafts than they are if you're like, you know, on Amazon or something like that. What was the transition like going from an Etsy store to your full-blown Shopify store where you control every little piece of that customer experience? Yeah, I was so excited when I finally made my Shopify because I was like, I can do this and I can do this. And it's so accessible and easy. And I, I loved Etsy and I don't regret like the journey that we made to Shopify later. But I just think that it was like like a kid in a candy store because I was like, I can do anything I want now. <laughs> and like mm-hmm. creating that, like visual that matches our branding was just so fun as well. So I love it. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so if someone was just starting out their Shopify store, what are the few first things they should be doing to help convert on the site? Like what were those when you finally got in there, what were the things you were just dying to do that you couldn't have done before? Hmm. I think adding um, just like the header in the bar that like lets people know different promotions and deals. There's You can't do that on Etsy. So I was constantly like saying it on socials over and over. And that was something that I was so excited to implement. And also, I think doing like email marketing through Shopify, I've been loving that. That's been super great for us. Yeah. And I mean, you're so 
fortunate that a lot of this growth has been organic. I think you've done an amazing job building that part of your business. And when you get to that level of saturation and we need to start working a little bit to drive new visitors to the site, your email list is going to be massive, right? Especially with all these changes happening with the iOS 14 update and cookies and this whole world where we're capturing less and less data on our customer, that mailing list is going to be your golden nugget. Yes, I agree. Okay, Jenna, so I've been thinking about this since we started talking today. You like clearly have done such an amazing job leveling up the business and adding more sophistication when you get to certain growth points. And so what I mean by that is like, you couldn't sew by hand anymore. You bring in seamstresses. You couldn't fulfill by hand anymore. You take on a fulfillment center, but your products are still so affordable. How has your business model changed as your business has evolved? Yeah, um, I love this question because as I started my business, as like I said, it was super organic. So I wasn't very, very savvy on, you know, how we're going to scale or how we're going to move forward. I just knew my margins worked in that moment. And I knew how I valued my time as a seamstress. But moving forward, thankfully, like I did value my time pretty well. So I was able to give my seamstresses like the proper pay that I was giving myself. So that worked out perfectly. Amazing. And then when I was trying to find a fulfillment company, I did have to like uh, work with a few, have a few different meetings and find the perfect fit. But thankfully, everything has been scalable. And, you know, like moving forward, we've been able to get silk in bulk and get different elastics in bulk and get packaging in bulk, which has also been very, very helpful for us. So it's all, again, like a big pivoting, like every few months, I'm like having to move and pivot things around. But I like, thankfully, our prices have been pretty set and our audience like loves our prices as well. So it's been great. Yeah, the prices are amazing. Like $13 I saw for scrunchies and things like that. Like you can't beat it. That's what you would go pay for some generic scrunchie, yeah. you know, out at anthropology. So I, I love it. I think that's awesome. If you were to paint the picture a little bit on what this next year will look like, it's probably so hard because you think back to where you were a year ago and it's a completely different business. What are the, what are some of the things that we should be on the lookout for? Yeah. So I really want the Silk Labs to be all things quality hair care and somewhere where it's a one-stop shop and you know that you're going to find silk that's trendy and cute and good quality. And you can also get a few other like hair care essentials that you need while you're here. And that's definitely like the path I want to go in and also just building the brand and the community further and like really building that direct to consumer experience with our packaging as well. And then it, let's say we think 10 years out, are you still doing the silk labs? Is it something different? What does that look like? Yeah. So I definitely see myself still doing it in the next 10 years and I just really want to be a core like hair care essentials brand. I want to be like in your favorite like retail spaces. And I want to be like, like a household name somewhere that you know, where you can stop and just get like any of your like luxury self care, like hair care specific, like goods. I want to keep it very niche, but I still want it to be like in hair care. And I just want to be like a, like a top like hair care brand in the space. Mm hmm. Well, and I think you're setting yourself up for that success because you're staying rooted in your values from the beginning. Yeah. Like you, um, you know, you want to make sure that your products are ethically sourced. You want them to be made here. You want to make sure you're paying your seamstresses. So I feel like you've set the foundations correctly and it will be easy 
or a lot easier. It's still going to be hard, but a lot easier than it, it would be if you were, you know, just buying products off AliExpress and selling them at a markup. Yeah. It's harder to scale something like that. Yeah, exactly. Emma, we don't know anything about that. <laughs> we had a really terrible business where we were doing that. And we just felt so awful <laughs> as the people running this business that we literally had to stop. <laughs> so you're definitely doing things the right way. What was the product? Um, they were like tripods and different things like that. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. Was it your drop shipping? Oh, was okay. it ever? Was it ever? And like, that was in the peak Oh my gosh, I'm getting like PTSD thinking about this. That was like the peak of delayed shipping times coming from China in general. And then that's when we were like doing this and we were getting orders and people were like, where am I? Where's my order? It still hasn't shipped yet. And we just felt so terrible. But the idea was like, now that all these creators don't have like studios to shoot in, like how do we make it accessible for them to shoot at okay. home? So right idea. Yes, poor execution. I mean, there's <laughs> like, there's so much to learn from something like that. And like from like drop shipping and there's just so much you probably took from that experience that you're like using now. Like I, I always watch those drop shipping, like YouTube tutorials and stuff. Cause there really is so much to learn. It's really interesting stuff. Yeah. It totally is. And I think, you know, it's like every experience point to in some direction. I think from running that, we realized that like, no, our values are actually in businesses that are doing things the right way. And that's kind of what started this podcast is like finding those people who really do get it and who are really putting in the time to build their bu- businesses in such a way that it's, um, yeah, it's something you can be proud of. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a huge care, so that's great. That's amazing. Yeah, totally. <laughs> One of One of the questions we ask everyone, and this is probably going to put you on the spot a little bit, but we look at you and we're like, okay, Jenna gets it, right? Like she built it the right way. She has the right people on board. You're thinking about this sustainably. When you look at your inspiration, who do you think gets it? I think that this might sound cheesy, but I feel like I've really like looked up to my parents and their business ventures. I feel like that's so cheesy, but <laughs> they just, they get it. It's cute. Yeah. And I've learned so much from them and their values as well and how they treat their employees and just how they're sustainable in their own ways and how they scale in their own ways. So I think that get, getting inspiration from people that maybe aren't in your field, but you can pull things from is really nice because I think when you're always talking to people like directly in your field, it gets like a little bit complicated, but like speaking to someone like my parents, like there's just so much I can learn, but in like a different group. Not cheesy at all. That's the best <laughs> answer. <laughs> no, it's such a good answer. And it makes sense because it, you know, you're really rooted in your values in your business. And those are probably values you learn from your parents. And even though the execution is different, the the root is very similar. So that's really cool. You just said what I what I was trying to say, but 10 times smarter. <laughs> She does that to me all the time. We change that whole statement and just nail it. No, no, not at all. Jenna, this has been such a fun conversation. I am so grateful that you agreed to come on. And honestly, I'm just pumped to watch where you go over the next year, two years, 10 years. I think this is the very beginning of some very big things. Thank you. And I've loved coming on and I love all your episodes. So I'm truly honored to be here. We are honored to have you. Thanks again, Jenna. Of course. Thanks, Jenna. I was just joking with Emma that 
that took every fiber of my being not to ask like what her parents do for entrepreneurship and running their own businesses and like make this probably a three hour conversation. So I'm glad we cut it where we did, but that was jam packed with so much good info. Oh my gosh. So much good info. And like Jenna is just so approachable and so sweet. And I think it's really refreshing hearing that like she's self-taught. If she doesn't know what to do, she Googles it. She figures it out and she's consistent. And that just resonates with me because I think that's something I say a lot is like, we just need to be consistent and we can, you know, everything's figure outable. And so it was so cool to hear, um, you know, that story of, of how she's done that and just used her grit and determination and also her skill. She's very mm-hmm. talented at what she does, especially with content creation. Um, but yeah, just amazing. I think that was my biggest takeaway was the content creation and the formula behind it. This is something you and I have talked about. I don't even know how many times, but like, what is the formula on Instagram? How do you get reels to hit? Like, what are the kind of magic buttons that we can press to get more visibility on the content that we're putting out there? And I think her feedback on like, first of all, it's different for every brand light bulb moment. Why have I never thought about that? Like different lighting for different aesthetics and different customer groups. And I just think that makes so much sense. Like I've heard so many people say, oh, seven second TikToks are it or posting at 6 p.m. is it. And it's like, well, maybe it's not. Maybe you need to do a little bit of legwork and a little bit of homework to find out what your specific audience is really into. Totally. And it's like, there's no cheating the system, right? Like, yeah, you might get a little bit of luck at some points, but I like the idea of having a formula and paying really close attention because if you're taking the time to create the content, you might as well do that. So I agree. Huge takeaway. So I know I'm going to go shop the Silk Labs now. It's thesilklabs.com where you can go shop. Um, Highly recommend checking it out. And of course, while I'm here, it wouldn't be me wrapping up a podcast if I didn't ask you to maybe subscribe to us, maybe leave a review, maybe maybe check out our Instagram, which is at they.get.it. If you like our content, because it helps us, uh, it also helps us stay motivated to keep going. So sure does. With that, let's wrap it up and we'll talk to you next week. We'll talk to you then. Bye.